This is Shu Hirata's Let's Talk Japanese Fight Sports with Charlie Jurette from Sogokaku.com. Let's begin. Happy Thanksgiving, Charlie. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. How are you? Good, good. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody who is tuning in. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a Friday morning US time. Which you guys don't celebrate uh, Thanksgiving in Japan, right? So, no, but there was a holiday on Thursday, randomly. Mm. That's right. It was like what Labor's Day. Yeah, some, yeah, it was Labor Day, yeah. I believe. Right. And I just so you know that Miss Nakano of Rising has been working all day long, given the holiday. <laughs> and I asked her, "Why are you in the office?" And she said, "Like, well, during the work, the regular work days, it's so noisy here, and I can't concentrate. So I prefer coming on the day off." And do all my work. Very Japanese, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Sad all right, so let's get into this one then. You want to do this? Mikuru, Asakura, KO'd by Yama. Now, yes. what do you think? Did you watch this fight? I did watch this fight, yes. Yeah. How, so what do you think about that? I mean... um, Before we get into the fight, mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of weird because... That he was announced as Yaman's opponent just several days before the fight. Okay. Itself. So I kind of felt like they could have promoted it more because if it was going to be Mikuru versus Yaman, this would be a very big event. But right. then he went into it and I, he got knocked down twice mm-hmm. in like 70 something seconds. And yeah. it was just a completely he embarrassing decision. Yes. It was a completely embarrassing fight. He talked about how when he fought Karamov, he like, oh, I'd never been in that situation where I never wasn't able to do anything. Mm-hmm. But this was almost like more embarrassing because Mikuru always was like this image of being a striker. Mm-hmm. And he just got absolutely destroyed. Right. But this is a kickboxing rules on open finger glove. So, That's I mean, true, in a way, yeah. Yaman's not like a, from what I've been told, Yaman's not like a super technical kickboxer. He's kind of like no, a brawler. He's not. No, he's not the best of the best out there, too. So he's just a mediocre fighter out of rise. Yeah, he's known for, like, his guts and being, like, a real tough brawler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not a good but, look. You know, I can tell you right now that I knew about this for a while. So in terms of marketing, I think these two kind of believed. You know how they stood, like, a, maybe talking, like, cussing at each other on the social media, like, a couple of weeks before was- the fight? So they thought that kind of marketing would do enough to sell enough pay-per-views. That was so obvious to me. As soon mm-hmm. as, as soon as they started talking crap to each other on social media, right, and then this event got announced, I was like, "Oh, they're absolutely going to fight each other." This is the way that they're marketing it, right? Which exactly. Makes but sense I think... because just a couple of days mm-hmm. after the event at Breaking Down, they were all buddy buddy together. So right. it seems like the talk might have been fake. They all made a good money. So a guy like Yaman, who I think I told you on the past podcast that he goes and sell like thousand tickets every time he fights so guy like that doing a little show put the pay-per-view on against the pay-per-view selling caliber like Mikuru only made sense so right. I'm very very curious that you know what kind of numbers they did right which I can find out probably next week you know so we'll see you know well, I mean, this is like the first event of Yaman's new like open finger kickboxing series and mm-hmm 
probably couldn't ask for better press for the event. Him mm -hmm. knocking out Mikudu in the very first event just made everyone know about this event. Exactly. And the numbers for it were crazy. I was looking at some, because, you know, Twitter shows you the views for each tweet now. Mm -hmm. the, the media website, some of the me Japanese media members that were posting about this fight, they're just post a picture up. It's like Yaman won. That tweet viewed five million times. It's like an insane number of interactions for this event. I mean, it just goes to show how big of a star Mikuru really is. Exactly. It's because of Mikuru. It's all because of Mikuru. So, you know, like in the Japanese sense, none of these guys can point their feet towards Mikuru when they go to bed anymore. You know, that kind of thing. So, anyway. I was curious. What, let me, I was curious because I went to, I was looking at Google Trends just mm -hmm. to see like how big Mikuru's gotten. Mm -hmm. His th that his Google trends for this Yaman thing are the highest he's ever been. Wow! And Very it's about it's about half as as high as Otani's mm -hmm. peak. So as, um, when Otani was at his most popular, Mikuru's at half of that, which <laughs> is insane. I know it's only insane. half. That's insane because Otani is ridiculously famous in Japan. Well, here's what it is though. That's this tells the Japan is definitely Galapagos when it comes to the fight sports because when you step one step outside of Japan, no one knows Mikuru Asakura. Nobody. Oh, that's what's right? so funny. Remember when he was in Hawaii and he was like yeah. clearly fishing for someone to recognize who he was? Like they uh -huh. were going on the beach with the video cameras and nobody knew who he was. <laughs> oh, I like, bet nobody knew. But that's yeah, absolutely nobody. Hawaii is where there's a deep Japanese culture in it, and there's a two, right. I think, Japanese channels, two radio Japanese stations, whatever. I mean, it's it's been like that. So they're usually keen to the trend in Japan. But right. again, because, for example, back in when I was in high school, nobody knew Seiko Matsuda, which is a Japanese idol singer. But right. the, the Japanese populations or Japanese generations in Hawaii knew who she was. Right. So in that sense, Yes, I agree. Uh, yes, he's unknown, but in Japan, he's more than Otani, right? Which is amazing. Yeah, well, half half yeah. of Otani. He's a half Otani. Half of one. Yeah, half of one. I'm sorry. Yeah, of course, half of Otani, but still, you know. Right. That's. I'll answer we are rising podcast question. Mikuru okay. did say he was going to retire afterwards on Instagram and YouTube. But he, he took has, it back. That's right? come back and taken it back. Yeah, he yeah. Says yeah, he says he's going to take a little break and come back next year. Right. And it's so funny that now everybody's talking about how you get hit concussions and how you lose your memories because, you know, I heard Mikuru said on his social media that because of that knockout, that he lost all of his past fight memories, which is just was, too over exaggerated. You all know that. It was right? so you stupid. Know? He was like leaning into it. I heard that he was saying stuff like, why am I a famous YouTuber? Why do I have three million followers? It just seemed like he was stupidly trying to play it up for the cameras and everything. Oh, that's what he was saying because I didn't watch the whole thing. So no, no. But, that's why I heard he had said I wasn't. Yeah, well, exactly. But here's what it is: we all know when you get, you know, strikes to the head and you get knocked down many, many times. Which I tweeted it that all my past clients, when they went down unconscious, hundred percent in the dressing room after the fight, they all ask, "Oh shoot, when's my fight?" Oh yeah. Although like they before the warm up, so some of them don't even remember. Like, you know, they're coming into the venue kind of stuff. But well, I mean, those memory comes back, like, after two or three days, you know? I mean, there's, like, the famous story of, what, Jimmy Ellis getting dressed to fight Joe Frazier after he'd already been mm -hmm. knocked out by Joe Frazier. Exactly, so, right. It's, yeah. like, I mean, it's pretty common in combat sports.
Right. And, you know, it's like brain is like a soft as tofu. It's it's yeah. a floating in the water and it's being shaked. So, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I hope he's going to take a break a little bit and, and, and make some good comeback plan. But I personally think, you know, taking some tune-up fight and rising or you know, do some fight and, you know, breaking down, I don't think that's going to bring his fame back since he's lost two in a row. Sort of yeah. exposed that he... Probably not going to be Keramov or top rising fighters in his weight classes. And he's not the best striker, obviously, now. So I think there's a way for him to to clear that in one shot. Is I think he should fight in the States. He should find the opportunity yeah. in the States and fight somebody in the States and try to get some good opponent for him where he has a good possibility to win. Because for Japanese fans in Japan, for Mikuru followers, doesn't matter what show who, if he fights in America, they win. That's gonna give him the the sense of the major league back. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like um. Yeah, like when you're saying that, you have to like frame it in that this isn't for like the American audience. No. If he it has fights to be for the abroad Japanese in the media. U.S. and wins, all of the Japanese media will be like, he went abroad and he returned. Exactly. Victorious. Exactly. They oh, love the word the quote unquote Kai guy like abroad. Right, Anything like, happens abroad is a big thing. Yeah. It'll be like back when like Hamasaki Ayaka was like fighting an Invicta in front of like four hundred people. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. World champion. Just, World champion. Exactly right. Yeah. So he could fight in any feeder shows or anything. I think he'll make a big deal. I mean, I hope his manager will think in that kind of you know thinking because long run, I think that's better for him than fighting and breaking down or rising for some tune It's also more you know? interesting. It is something interesting, new that he right? hasn't done yet. Exactly. So, and it gives him a sense of that he's going for a new challenge, right? You know. Right. So that's I, you know, I should be doing that. But anyway, so I just want to touch on this one more thing related to Mikuru. I don't know some people if you know about this. Uh, Mikuru is a lawyer. Yeah, Mr. Hori was just uh, Dude, you know the way that they. Talk about Hori is so weird. They like because yeah. I can't get it out of my head that you call these fighters like modern day geisha mm-hmm. because they keep calling him like Mikuru's benefactor. Yes, benefactor. <laughs> that's, like, that's such a weird thing to call someone. Yes. Okay. So anyway, so Shukan Bunshin, which is the the biggest selling magazine in Japan, which is not you know it's the like biggest thing you know it's like a New York Times slash Wall Street Journal or whatever. Um, they reported that uh, Mr. Hori has been in trouble with uh, married women in the 50s. I guess what happened was they went out and they got drunk and he took her back to the famous Japan Top Team gym. <laughs> I because, guess tried to, to have a physical to, relationship, right? You know, Because he is also married with children. That's so true. So maybe right? his house was busy, so he uh, right. took her to the gym. Right. And and what happened was it's kind of funny that he admit that he tried to, you know, oh, have so some funny. sexual contact with her, but because he was drunk that he couldn't get into the point of intercourse. So well, you know, you have to say you know, what the reason that, that what you're saying is a big deal is unlike in the US, uh-huh. in Japan, if you sleep with someone who's married, that oh, that person's yeah. spouse can sue you. Exactly. So, you have, like, right. so the, her husband got divorced with her. And is now suing Hori, who's a rich guy. And right. his whole legal defense is I tried to bang her, but I was too drunk and couldn't get it up. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, it's 
you know, fine. You know, and the funny thing is that I think he's the one who, who actually consulted to the police first, right? Because the woman yeah, was he, being a stalker now. Well, that's what he says. That's, yeah. That's what he okay, says. Right. <laughs> okay. But I think the amazing thing about this is, again, it's the Mikuru effect. Because usually, Mr. Hori, if he gets into this kind of trouble, this pop magazine would not write anything about it. Who cares? No. It'd be just one of that rich lawyer who got into trouble. That's not going to have any news value. It's all because of Mikuru. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. for him. It's kind of bit him in the butt, too, because of Mikuru. Exactly. There's no way that her ex-husband isn't like, oh, this is that super rich lawyer. I'm mm -hmm. totally going to sue this guy and try to get the money <laughs> yeah. out of this. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be laughing about it, but I feel kind of sorry for Hori, you know? I mean, Ichi <laughs> jokes, that is li literally his legal defense, that he couldn't get it up. <laughs> right. I, mean, I I'm telling you right now, and also I have to laugh about this because before this Japan top team, the, the Triforce, he used to have this little gym called uh, Martial Arts or something like that. It's a little gym where I think it was in Lopongi, and one of my past clients happened to have the key to that gym, so he was very known for picking up a girl at Lopongi and taking the girl back at that gym to do whatever he had to do, and he got into trouble <laughs> because he, you know they found out about it. Now, it comes to now, like 10, 20 years, 15 years later, Mr. Hori is doing the same thing, you know? So that's just kind of funny to me, you know? The crazy but anyway, thing so about this, that law yeah. is that you don't uh -huh. actually have to divorce your spouse to sue the person. I so heard, You could, like, yes. stay with your wife and just keep suing the people that she sleeps with. Oh, God. But what kind of money can you get, though, really, in Japan? Because, you know... I don't think it's... I doubt it's good, because in it, Japan... Not much, like, right. I think you can sue people, but it's usually pretty small settlements. Exactly. Very small. I mean, even th that's why I feel sorry for the generally women in Japan because they get nothing on divorce, even though guys are, you know, yeah, terrible. Yeah. But anyway, so let's get into this. Effect of a PFL Bellator deals for Japan. Now, I have to tell you this, that this was a big deal, right? In the world of MMA and everybody Here. reported in Japan, but it's not like everybody is making big, uh, to them, Mikuru versus Yama was a much bigger news than Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, and I look at the, I, I guess it's fair to say four major, uh, uh, the media in Japan for MMA is uh, MMA Planet, Gong, and E-Fight, yeah. and Bout Review, right? So they each reported it, and it's pretty interesting. Gong, this article was strictly out of just what they say on the press release, and also what did Don Davis said on Ariel Hell One is MMA Hour, <laughs> so they only talk about that. MMA Planet simply just wrote like, what was written on uh, what is it uh, press release? Well, and the, about the, you're just describing you're just describing Japanese media in general. They media. just they just regurgitate press releases exactly. They never and write the, anything else. Yeah, right. And the Gong at least they try to finish up an article by saying so. What would happen to the uh, Bellator rising relations? Right. You know. And uh, about the review had a little bit of different angle. Says so now Saudi Arabia money. Is what made this possible and they pointed out that on the x account of the uh, bellator they had the link link to the saudi arabia investors and stuff like that so yeah that's about it so you know i just don't think this is going to sound weird i don't think the japanese fandom has really thought that this will affect bellator fighters coming to ryzen they yeah. haven't like thought that far ahead yet no and they don't realize what this means because I know that Sakaki Barra said that he's reached out and spoken to PFL about collaborating mm -hmm. in the future. 
Mm-hmm. But I feel like PFL's made it very clear that the only promotion they're willing to co-promote with is like the UFC. And that Yeah, no, I think you know what's so funny? I did watch the Ariel's uh MMA hour when Don Davis was on. And uh yeah. let me tell you this. One of the very interesting questions that Ariel asked Don was that so why are you keeping Bellator Championship series when you already have an international series? Right. And that's the only time Don paused for a few seconds. And had to think about come up with the questions and he said something like the world is the business decisions everybody makes is not necessarily correct so he even doesn't know what he was trying to do or then he was pushing for like doing bellator versus pfl champion versus champion as early as possible right early part of next year so right. once that thing is done the brand is finished so what's the point of keeping it really right <laughs> maybe they can do a couple more times after that you know right because i think what he say that they wanted to have PFL keep the tournament format and have Bellator be mm-hmm. like the non-tournament bouts mm-hmm. and things like that. But I don't mm-hmm. see how it could long-term. It's like two years, right? Bellator is going to exist for two years. Is that what they said? Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, here's what it is. I mean, I could but, see that they exist on the international market because they did put up a pretty good shows in, you know, uh, Paris and, you know, yeah, that part of the world, you know, in Japan too. So it shows the potential and, and you know, not to, to insult them and I think at this point it's not like a Bellator is the biggest brand or like everybody nobody really knows Bellator well, as a brand in terms of general public of North America so I don't even think you know. PFL needs the Bellator brand for Japan because they could just march Ray Sefo out and use his old K1 image and they'd be just fine mm-hmm. I think. yeah exactly and, and the bottom line is this um Japanese fans are sometimes conveniently becomes blind for the promo you know in for the sake of promotion because dream when they had the uh, partnership with strike force yeah. and when strike force was bought up by ufc and the official comment from the dream at the time was well we were having a relationship with scott <laughs> so not dream and the fans bought it <laughs> but that thing happened after that but of course it's between the two promotions so it's got to be a dream you know the relationship right. between right. two organizations right so it's not a personal thing now it's obviously i don't think stock coker is going to stay that long right well he so, snuck out didn't they sneak him out of the press conference in a disguise he like yeah, didn't want to speak like to the that, media yeah. so yeah no he's yeah, out exactly he's clear he's mike kogan mike kogan's taking over right i heard yes but mike kogan is a long time like a right-hand man of coker you know Stop, right. dude, he's been around for a long time and you know, I, I I heard that Don Davis said that they have so many dishes to serve, so they need more kitchen, you know, a chef in the kitchen kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't know if they want to be one of those. And you know, when two promotions or, or any organization gets together, there are so many uh, duplicates of work, right? Like for example, right. you don't need two accounting teams, you don't need two marketing teams, you know. <laughs> when you really think that way, so you know, you know, they're gonna chop off some heads. I think you know they would have to. I think the eventually. big. Is the big JMA question for this though? What happens to Horaguchi and Arculetta? Is that kind of the big I, I, thing? as it impacts I, the Japanese scene? I'm not going to. I can't really reveal the details, but because of it both involved with the potential fights with our clients, right. I've asked that question many, many times because because I knew this deal was going to happen. So every right. time when I did that deal for Shinryu or even Naoki Arculetta. I've always mentioned that. So, do you have any deal with the Bellator where, even though PFL bought them out, 
that those two fighters as a way to get out and come back and defend title kind of thing, you know, because I want my clients to have a second chance if anything happens. And they told me they did figure it out the way. So they do have some way contractually that those two fighters can continue fighting for rising is my understanding. But it's not like I look at the contract and made sure. So, you know, I'm just getting like flashbacks of like Shuto contracts and pride contracts where mm -hmm. so much of the stuff is just not actually in the contract. Right. So, yeah. But the bottom line here is though, in terms of Horiguchi, is PFA going to start flyweight division? I don't think so because there were there was a rumor about it, but now it's obvious that in 2024 they're not adding any new weight class in terms of regular season. So they're not even right. adding 125 with female or 115 female. So for for guys like us who's trying to get a new home for Tyler Santos and Kanako Murata, it's a devastating news for us. We got to figure out what to do for these clients, you know. Right. But in the same sense, so if the Bellator is not doing flyweight division and PFL is not doing flyweight division, so there's no reason to really keep Horiguchi, is it? No, I agree. Right. I don't think so. Unfortunate though, because he is, especially, the, you know, especially you know, at his age too. It's not like you have yeah. a young guy that you're going to be building a division around. Right, right. But I think what Don Davis kept saying that he's interested in co-promoting. So I think besides the UFC, I think he will be always open to co-promote some big name uh, boxing promoter, for example, yeah. or some big Saudi Arabian promoters with the money kind of thing. And if Rising or anybody in Japan come up with that kind of money and the deal, I think he will be open to do co-promoting a show. But this is what I felt by, by looking at him talking to Aria or reading all the comments from the media that, you know how he talked about starting PFL Middle East in 2024, then PFL Africa in 2024. Right. And after that, he was mentioned about the possibility of P PFL Australia or PFL this, that, that. Not even once he mentioned Asia, China, Korea, or Japan. So I don't know <laughs> even think about that part of the world. So I think Ariel, that's a bad sign, you know? Ariel Hawani, I think at one time, directly asked him about Ryzen. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of dodged the question. He didn't really answer it. I bet, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which make which which is kind of where I'm like, yeah, that, that tells a lot that he kind of dodged the question means that he's not really interested. Yeah, unless if somebody else can come up with something, it's significantly like makes sense. Right. Like for example, like if you put Mikuru against Jake Paul, that's gonna sell very well pay-per-view in Japan. And look at the potentials and stuff like that. I'm serious. It'd be a landmark <laughs> show, put it in the suicide forest. It doesn't have to be rising. It could be just Abema. Yeah. You know what I mean? It could, they could team up with you next, or they could team up with anyone pretty much in that sense. Well, right? I mean, so He's open to it. I mean, the Nganu boxing match skyrocketed PFL's heavyweight division stock so much. Oh, big time. I mean, right. So he has to yeah, appreciate that. So I think. This is my prediction. I think, unfortunately, that I think fans should be pessimistic about the future of the uh, PFL, Bellator's, you know, the rising relationship. But I will be actually optimistic about full promoting with somebody rising or someone in Japan because if this UFC's antitrust law suits get settled, if the contract changes, <clears throat> like, if the champions of UFC can leave after one year, you know, if they can go free, do whatever the hell they want, I think that's going to change the industry, you know? 
So yeah, that would be open more opportunities for many promoters to really think about the co promoting a big fight. I have kind of a well, stupid question. Is this PFL, the World Series of Fighting, that co-promoted in Japan with Deep? Uh, no. World Series of Fighting had another division called World Series of Fighting Global, something like that. And they okay. collaborated with Japan. But they both okay. got, I think, shut down, whatever, for that, and bought that by Professional Fighter TV, right? So Dan okay. Davis bought it, and they, they rebranded into PFL, basically, like six years okay. ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's doing a tremendous job, right? And he's obviously coming from a different What's kind of industry. Yeah. Climbing a lot higher than what it was doing. So that's good. Yeah, exactly. And in the past, we always had some ex-promoters or some apparel maker who loves MMA kind of stuff. But now we really have a professionals, you know, from the another uh, professional league, you know, experience. So, you know, I think, I think this is very exciting, especially... Again, thinking about what's going to happen to the UFC's antitrust lawsuit right next year. So, right. So, I think it's going to be very, you know, interesting what's going to happen. I think it's going to have a very interesting effect in the Japanese MMA too. I really think so. Well, yeah. I think it'll have a huge effect because Rising kind of was really depending on Bellator fighters to kind of create big fights. Mm -hmm. And if that well dries up, they're going to be like almost back to what they were doing during the pandemic. Right, but you know what's so interesting about Sakakiba is he always come up with something, that's you know, something. That's yeah, yeah, so so if it's not Mayweather, then Pacquiao kind of thing, and you know, he'll come up with yeah. something. <laughs> so well, I mean, if it's not PFL, he'll come up with something. A bunch of Azerbaijani fighters just start showing up all the time. Right, because he already, I think, put some photos on Instagram about meeting some of the promoter from Saudi Arabia, right? Who was involved right. in. That show and stuff like that. So he's always constantly, constantly, you know, meeting somebody. And I'm here, and he's always all over the place asking for investment, to that kind of stuff. So you know, he's very good on that. So now let's talk about this one. Very interesting. Since we <laughs> mentioned about Horiguchi, this is an interesting one. Mr. Koji yeah. Horiguchi and his older brother and his current manager now have a new promotion called Top Brights. Right. And they're supposed to do show in what November or something like that, but they got postponed. Yes, you got to, postponed. Uh, what is it? January twenty first. Now right. tell us about this. I I don't really know so much about this show. You see, like the main events, like Gleason Tabau. So they're mm -hmm. getting that uh, American top team talent over. Mm -hmm. But first off, they're true to the word. The event what stuck out to me the most is this is happening in Gumaken. Which is right, kind of like, is like a, right. very rural, middle of nowhere kind of, and the tickets are extremely expensive. It's what I go. couldn't believe. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, excuse me. I mean, 8, yeah, it's very yen, expensive. Eight thousand yen's not bad, but those are the worst seats. It quickly jumps up to like three hundred, five hundred dollars. I'm like, I mean, those are rising prices. So top rights in their very first show. Is bringing over Gleason Tabao, who has no name value in Japan, and they're immediately charging Ryzen prices, which I thought was kind of crazy. Yeah, they probably put Gleason because to accommodate the ATT, I bet, obviously. And uh, well, they, they got the UFC name. They can put, they can slap that he fought in the UFC, mm -hmm. and he's a friend of Horiguchi's and all the stuff to promote it. And what's so funny is that they did actually contact me about one of our clients, and they offer a 
featherweight fighters to our welterweight. So I had to kind of point it out, hey, dude, these two guys are not in the same weight class. Are you sure this guy can't fight in 170? And he's like, oh, let me check. He came back and he's like, wow, you're so, so professional. You realize that you, 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 you know, immediately recognized it. I'm like, dude, did you know? Do you know anything about this? And what's so funny was about this, this person who contacted me about, you know, from Top Brights. And after that, he wrote me a big, long email introducing who he is. And he said, in the beginning of the email, he's like, well, I'm not really a full-time worker for Top Brights. I'm an Amazon Prime delivery person. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> you as know? far as I know, this Top Brights got like no distribution deal for this. And I think most people going to this show, they probably have to be traveling from outside of Guma. It's just people that like Horiguchi from across right. Japan will be going to this. Right. And also, um, crazy. here's what it is. I, I heard that there's no public transportation to this arena. Like, you have to have a car. Yeah, it's, it's in Guma yeah. Prefecture. Of course there's no right, public yeah, yeah, but still, at least, at least there's a bus once an hour or something like that, once every 30 minutes. But there's none of that I heard. You know? It sounds just insane to me. Like, I no, understand what they want to do it in Guma Prefecture, but... But here's this. A key is this. key is this. 13 fights local right fighters, here. Local, local kids, kids to the, yeah, yeah, all these. This, these guys will sell tons of tickets. So yeah, it's go, probably go a good sell a bunch of more. $500 tickets to your friends. <laughs> yeah, and also probably like a sponsors in Guma. I mean, for guys there, and I mean, Horiguchi is like a biggest star that they never came from that prefecture. So I'm pretty sure he has pretty good sponsors there that it's, it's okay just, for them to do some money, you know? I think, remember he said they wanted to like, make an MMA promotion that was not entertainment focused, but it was like the best fighter focused. And now mm -hmm. it just looks like they're trying to fleece their fans for as much money as they can. It's like, this is insane. Yeah. I mean, okay. So they did come up with the Koyomi Matsushima, which is the latest announcements. And he's the, you know, uh, yeah, from, you know one championship AACC, veteran. Right. right. Yeah. UFC veteran. And, you know, and, and he used to be in ACC, not anymore, but, but that's about it. Their, like he has the I biggest saw last week. Power. Yeah. He still trains there from time to time. He, he still trained there? I saw him there. He's training uh, uh, Chihiro Sawada there oh, last week. Oh, it makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. 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 He's the one of the guys that I always thought he made a mistake in choosing one championship, <laughs> you know, because he was in the position to maybe get picked up by UFC if he sit around and wait for another half a month. I mean, half a year. And, but, what happened was this, I can reveal this, on his last fight in Pancras, he lost due to a accidental something, to yeah. the growing or something, but he lost on disqualification. Now, in the, under the Pancras rules, if you lose fight in disqualification, no matter what that was, you get zero money. They huh. confiscated 100% of his births, like show money too. So he got very depressed and he needed the money. So that the offer came in for one and that type, and he had to take it. So he took, he rushed into that. Now, yeah, you know, so he had a little bit of trouble getting fights and getting active in that promotion. Finally, he's out. And he fought for road to UFC. He lost. Now he should have fought a couple of times to make his record better, right? To build back up his record. But for some reason, I don't know who told him that he has a chance to get into next year's road to UFC tournament. So it's probably better off not fighting. So he won't take any risk of losing any fight. 
So what happens? He ended up sitting one year. Then didn't get into the tournament because she was not active. So yeah. this is the kind of mentality I don't understand about this Japanese fighter. Now he realized, okay, I got to fight somebody good. And I'm pretty sure you know, people around him told him that, oh, here you have to fight non-Japanese. You know, you have to fight Gaijin. You have such to, a you know? stupid, that's such a weird it really thing. Is. That the, the Japanese people are really, obsessed with. Exactly. They just don't have that concept of professional sports. It's a competition. You know, you have to build up, back up your record. It's okay to fight, do a tune-up fight if you have a choice to. You know, what I mean, like, why do you go right into a real tough, tough guy? You know, after over a year of, uh, you know, sideline from the fight. I mean, I don't understand this at all. You know. And is this gonna make it? Is he making really good money? I I really doubt it. You know? I mean, wh- where's the money for this? Are they just trying to? I mean, if I was fighting for this, I'd be worried if I actually get paid, because it sounds <laughs> like they're trying to pay everyone out of the ticket sales. That's why the ticket Here prices are so high. Now I'm gonna tell you this. Always, I've been telling this openly, so I'm gonna remind all the listener here again that in Japanese MMA, everybody gets paid. End of the following month. So, yeah. except non Japanese. So, if you're Americans or Canadians or whatever that is, you go there, you get paid. But for Japanese, if you're fighting, let's say, oh, January 21st, you will not get paid by the end of February. So, yes, I would be worried if, you know, you would be actually getting paid. It's I would just, be asking for signing bonus if I, I hope my they get client, paid. You know, supposed it's to just fight, freaks you know? to me of all those like brand new Korean promotions that hop up. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, nobody gets paid. But I think Horiguchi is a very honorable person. I know right. him, and I don't think he'll screw over people. So if ticket sales didn't do well, or if the sponsor didn't right. pay, or if any of that happens, I have a feeling that Horiguchi will pay out of his pocket. You know what I mean? He's yes. that kind of a guy. So in that sense, I don't think he should be worried <laughs> about not getting paid. You know? Oh, that's true, but. Do you think this is even sustainable for Guma Prefecture? No, I don't think so. They can't. Keep, so, I mean, at those at those prices, they can't keep doing it. First, I also thought the point of this promotion was to like discover new talent, mm-hmm. not not bring Gleason Tip out over to Japan. Yeah, exactly. So maybe they were thinking maybe this is a first show, so they want to do something right. big, you know, to get right. noticed. And maybe from the second show, they do a studio shows. They maybe team up with you next to Abema. And, you That's know, true. I, I think they really look, look at what the Combate Global is doing. It, they really make sense. Do studio shows, get more money on, like, streaming side, you know, sponsorship side. Yeah. I mean, you know, ticket selling is it's another load of work. You have to, well, you know, uh, well, Salesforce also- to ticket agencies, you know what I mean? If you're looking to build up young talent, I would kind mm-hmm. of look what Black Combat's doing and just get a couple of fighters you want to focus on and bring people in for them to fight and create this journey of them getting better and becoming UFC caliber fighters. That's true. Do it at smaller venues and things like that. Right. So I think studio show makes sense, right? They, yeah, like, for example, Abema had the Daidi Senso for K1, same kind, you know, same kind of thing, you know, where they discover Ichiki Hirata and stuff. So right. I think they should be doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I but I, oh, right. But you know, I don't want anybody to fail. So I hope he'll do no, that. as well. And Horiguchi <laughs> you know? is a great guy. He's super popular in Japan. He is. He and is. I, like I hope him this a lot, goes well. Know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's I mean, talk hopefully, about. Hopefully, they can become yeah. like the new Heat, where Heat has like their own little market outside of Tokyo, and hopefully, That's top true. rights can become that. For now, Guma. How, 
How is he doing? I mean, I know they have tons of local sponsors supporting event, and yeah, I mean been, they did well for a while, but is anything really happening with like them? They're still, like they're still doing just they're just coasting along, doing their thing, mm. right? So, yeah, okay, all right. So let's talk about this one now. One championship back in Japan. Now, tell me what happened. Chatterley was there. They had the press conference. Well, first off, how many times has he said they're coming back to Japan? Like, <laughs> they're going to cancel it again. But yeah, they said, um, uh, well, now that they have Takeru, they kind of like have to come back to Japan. Yeah. And he announced that early next year, I think it's actually one, one championship, 165, will be okay. happening in Japan. And I believe that is the next numbered show. Like 164 okay. already happened. So right, it should right, be right, happening right. very early next year. Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you this. I actually know the dates and uh, the venue too. It was reserved like like good six months ago. It's been a while actually. So I was actually surprised that they weren't announcing this for quite a while. So or maybe they're not coming through with it. But the finally he came and announced, and they with Takeru at the press conference. So I, it's obvious Takeru is fighting, right? Right. Right. But at the same time, I'm seeing all these guys, like for example, Koyomi Matsushima. Oh, guys, like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, who left the one? Ashoko Sato, who fought Shinoda, Ryoko. Yeah, Ryoko Sato. Exactly. Oh, I see all these Japanese guys who's no longer with one championship. So, really, how many of the Japanese fighters are still under their contract? I know they got a couple of in good kickboxes, but. Outside of Takeru, it's like what? It's uh, Itsuki Harata, and Ayaka and who's the other guy? Um, Waka something. What? Um, oh Jesus! There's one, yeah, there's one other guy. Oh, Tatsumitsuada. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. From tri tribe, yes. I think he's still that under the contract too, but I don't think he's that active, right? So, so no, I guess they're all going to be fighting in Japan show. I also kind of got that's what it is. Wakamatsu is who I was thinking of. Thank you. No, but oh, um, Yujima, yeah, Yuya Wakamatsu also. That's right. Sorry, I forgot about that. He, I like him. Yeah, and he's from Shonen Zoom too, and he did resign new contract. I know that, which but, is another yeah. six fight. So I also feel like one championship's been pissed at Itsuki Hirata since her last fight, so I don't know, since her recent performances. But who knows? But I mean, if they oh, do this. Akiyama too. I, Thank you very much. He, he pointed out. Is Akiyama is also under contract. Oh my god. <laughs> Akiyama's not going to sell tickets in Japan unless they put him against no. someone. They can get someone that they want to see. But again, do you think... I don't really... This is what I honestly think. I know they got the big venue. I think it, the place has like maybe 12,000 people seating. Well, uh, don't, without saying, in the past, they always went to Ryogoku, right? Last was in Ryogoku, but this time it's not Ryogoku. Well, so, okay, so they've in, been here in Japan twice. It's in Tokyo. Yeah, they've been to Japan twice. I think both the previous shows were in Ryogoku. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. But but they they made the big stage and stuff, so the actual seating was like five six thousand people capacity, right. I think, because they blocked the entire one section. Uh, I don't know what they're gonna do with this time, but it's a bigger. Uh, I think it's about the similar size. So where they set up, I don't yeah. know how many. But well, the bottom line is just, new, they have a bunch of new venues because oh, the Olympics. So there's. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, I'll give you a hint. It's one of those new venues they're using. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so 
uh, the bottom line is this: it's obvious that Abema TV is heavily involved, right? Right. With the uh, uh, one championship. Now, do you think they care about ticket sales? Yeah, a little bit. But I think if I were them, I'd be caring more about the pay per view set because they're pay per view broadcasting, right? So, yeah, and if Takeru and Itsuki are on it, it'll sell good pay per views. That's only in Japan, but I think they would want to try to do a good number outside Japan, international, especially in Asia kind of stuff. So I hope, because the biggest thing, that I think one of the mistakes that one made on the last two shows in Japan was that they were not willing to sign fighters into one fight contract. Meaning, Takeru was willing to fight for them back then already, but the only reason that he didn't fight was that one insisted on their regular six-fight contract worldwide exclusive forget that they should grab some of the top guy from k1 on one fight contract basis and do some kind of super fight well i mean it seems like especially if their whole friday night fight things they seem more open mm-hmm. to one fight contracts now exactly so they should do a super fight against you know k1 guys against you know some guy you know big name from asia and hopefully that's, that's going to sell pick you know t- tickets or big guys from a dutch holland you know, kind of stuff. So they, they can put some big... I know that Chatri is kind of pushing back against one championship, being like a kickboxing promotion. But I mean, they, they have more kickboxing fights than MMA fights now. I know, yeah. but whenever people bring that up in interviews with him, he seems to get like upset about it for some reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Takeru is huge, and Takeru will sell well. And I think Itsuki hits a different fan base than him, so she'll also be like almost guaranteedly on this... You know, but here's what it is, though, that Takeru's fight he did in France didn't do too well on the pay-per-view. So I always believe in the theory that he takes two to tango. So he's got to fight somebody like Rotan, somebody like good, somebody that fans would be interested in. That France card had so many weird things with it, though. Like, the Mm -hmm. that was not well orchestrated. And I think if it's in Japan and they actually promote it better, because I don't think the France thing was very well promoted either. It was also really expensive. The France pay-per-view, wasn't that over Ichimayen? Wasn't that over 10,000? Like yeah. yeah, it was very expensive, right. It's a very expensive pay-per-view. But. Right. But I, and also, I think Itsuki Hirata's fan bases are kind of young. So I'm not sure right. I do spend that kind of money. And when That's you look fair. at her Instagram and stuff like that, two-thirds of that is from Asia part. It's not really Japan, right? The followers. Yeah. So, so I don't know if that's going to generate the, the sales. involvement. How does that affect one championship's broadcasting in countries that don't use Abima? I'm not really sure, <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm more than sure that they will not be able to do anything in, in North America because they got to deal with Amazon. Yeah, I'm pretty like, sure that's exclusive there, right? So, but in terms of other, only be in Japan, or I'm pretty sure they can try to get the pay per view done in some of the Asian countries where one is not doing any exclusives. And right. maybe even some of the European countries. And, and I'm pretty sure, but I think technicality-wise or legal-wise, I don't know if they have enough time to get that done. You know what I mean? And I'm an How expert about, on that part. So, Speaking of one championship, I have a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. Did you see that Chatri's, speaking of PFL went to Saudi Arabia, did you see that Chatri's also going to Saudi Arabia to look for more funding? Yeah, because they need, yeah, they need more money, obviously. You know, I heard. I mean, I, mean, I, I read. Say, uh, yeah, I read like one championship was going to face some more layoffs and stuff. So yeah, bloody yeah. elbow wrote some article about that they're going to run out of money next year, right? And they did the two rounds of uh, uh 
lay off this year and blah blah blah. And I'm telling you something interesting. I'm not going to name names, but I did see some of the few very top good workers who used to work for one ended up in PFL. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, I, I will say, I noticed you tweeted something where you were talking about how the people at one were great. I think people got confused. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I, all of my interactions with one championship, their mm -hmm. staff are very good. Yeah, like, their staff is very nice. They're very good. But, They're caring, you know? Yep. I've reached out with people in their Thailand office, their Korea office, their Japan office. Mm -hmm. They're very helpful. They'll give you a mm -hmm. translator if you need it. So, right. It's upset. It's but sad. It's people get fired. Yeah. And just, I always felt that the only small issue I felt that all the staff and that promotions should be really looking at the fans or looking at the audience and looking at the media to do work, but they're spending too much time looking at the chattery, meaning they're, they want to satisfy chattery more than satisfy fans kind of stuff, you know? So sounds like, sounds like that needs to be changed. I think. Yeah. So I hope, you know, I don't, I don't want to see any promotion fail, you know, because no, it's not good not. for the sport. So yeah. So I, I hope they'll do well. And, and I'm curious right now because of, again, about this UFC anti lawsuit, antitrust lawsuit. Um, they're criticizing how bad the UFC contract is. My one contract is worse than UFC's. Right. You know, much longer, you know, much, you know, more clauses in there. So how are they going to, you know, how this is going to affect the one championship too, right? So, you know, I think well, next year is going to be very, very interesting in that sense. It'd be really interesting to see what they do because they have the money issues, but Chatri spoke, I think, to help attract that investments, they announced mm -hmm. their first Qatar show early next year. Right. And they're announcing apparently more US shows. So right. interesting. It sounds like it'll be a very different year for one championship. So and he said, well, they're going to go, go get finally get into the profitable, like a couple hundred million dollars profit and blah, blah, blah kind of stuff, right? He said. Well, that one year they're in the profit because they sold themselves their own asset. Exactly, oh. right. <laughs> like some crazy thing. Right. So, I mean, but he always says this every single year that they're going into the, you know, profit and blah, blah, blah. So, but again, you know, as a top businessman, what are you supposed to say? Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, he has also, exactly what he's got to do. I'll tell you what, if one championship fails, I'll be genuinely shocked because he kind of has like that Sakaki Barrow, like cockroach gene. <laughs> they seem to like <laughs> always have something up their sleeve to keep surviving. So, yeah, I mean, right. say you want. Chatri's been very good at collecting funds and getting investors for one championship for a exactly. very long time. And I, I think he got some little bit of a gov Singapore government involved in his promotion too. So I, I don't think they're going to watch the promotion just fail. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So so hopefully they'll do something better next year. You know, yeah. hopefully things are going to change. So let's talk about this rising 45 athletes. The, they just did the announcements of a new fight. Yeah. Uh, now, what do you think about those new fights announced, including well, our client, Mr. Shinsho Anzai, taking on Igor Tanabe? Well, as expected, we all, mm -hmm. everybody knew the Miyu Yamamoto Sekizawa fight was going to be announced because they tried to have that fight earlier this year and they like explicitly yeah. said it will be that on New Year's Eve. Right. Um, that's, but speaking of the fight with your client, uh, I mean, Igor Tanabe has kind of made some. A little bit of headwaves just because he's with his jujitsu skills. So it's a nice little high profile match. 
just to see how good he really is. Right, but, I think so too. And it's really funny though, I'll tell you this. The Anzai has this friend from high school days, so it's like 20 years of friend. He's a ex-host who runs a host really? club, like seven, eight of them, very wealthy uh, YouTuber also. And so him and this friend and Mr. Sakagibra is a friend. They know each other for somewhere. So one day, <laughs> Mr. Anzai and him, I'm serious, grabbed the camera, went into the rising office, he says, oh, I'm a YouTuber, can we shoot YouTubes? And they basically say like, hey, listen, Anzai, you know, at the end of a career, I really wants to fight in Japan again. We like to fight in Rising. And boom, it happened to be, they were thinking about pushing Igor Tanabe, who was in the same division. So it just yeah. kind of fit on the right to the perfect one. It was the right place at the right time. That's perfect. So, yeah, so what's so funny is this, Anzai sounds very good. So he usually tells me what he's going to do and blah, 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 right? But after he went to the office, he forgot to tell me about it. So he immediately says, oh, by the way, I just went to the office with this YouTuber friend. And no, I'm just want to let you know that this is what I want to do. Can you follow up on this? So I follow up and blah, blah, blah. And at first, they proposed to do this fight at a catch rate of 80 kilo. But we, we negotiated this one to 77 because it just is better, you know, because there's no division in 80. It's better for ego, I told you know. So... So the, the deal was made in the last couple of days. So it was very interesting, you know? Yeah, a question from uh, Andrew. We are rising. He wants to know what was the reason that Anzai took that long layoff? No, well, partly because of the pandemic, remember? Okay. He had a one-fight offer from Bellator to fight in States, but it was the time that he didn't want to travel. That's okay. And after that, it kind of died and his visa expired. And then Bellator decided to not renew his visa. Which is, I understand that. And that's why I found him fighting Combate. Okay. Hopefully, yeah, that was going to be his, you know, comeback fight, but he lost that fight. But hey, at the end of the day, now he fought for UFC, he fought for Bellator, he fought for yep. Combate Global. Now he's a rising fighter. So his resume is looking okay. You know? That was a, that Combat Global event was cool. It was like the three Japanese fighter. It was the three Japanese versus three Combat Global exactly. fighters. Exactly. Mexico versus Japan. And, Combate loved that, and they wanted to do Mexico versus Japan too this year. But you know, some of the fighters we thought about getting and putting in got injured, and you know, some of the deals I had to do it with those Abema TV's show. You know, fighting a bro. Right. You know, right. So I had to bring in the fighter two months before the fight, find the team to train and stuff like that. So it was just not enough time to get it done. But yes, next year we'll do it again. I'll Perfect. try to get Perfect. that done. You know. Right. So yeah, yeah, and, and you know, Combate is doing one day tournament, featherweight for man, eight man tournament. The winner makes hundred k. That's cool. Yeah. So I mean, they're yeah. doing pretty well. But anyway, so go back to Rising, and they also have Ampo fight. Who's fighting what? Like a what's his name? Mira, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think in a way for New Year's Eve, it's kind of weak. You know, there's That's no big. I mean, the big it's, fights were already announced. It's the Kaya Sakura versus the Arcoleta fight. Yeah, but and you the Yoshi Horiguchi versus the Shinyu fight. Yeah, but again, Charlie said it's a big fight, right? But that's only a big fight for MMA competitive, like a fans oh. point of view. Right, From Sakagibara's mind, right? From Sakagibara's mind, that's not big fights yet. There's no big fight from an entertainment point of view. I am what do we got here? You know? I'm still waiting. I'm still convinced that the. Mikuru, not the Mikuru, the Manny Pacquiao is going to get announced for something on this card. 
exactly or Pacquiao or even Shibata or you know because, or somebody like that. Because <laughs> Kaya Sakura is popular, as you said, you made a really good point. Kaya Sakura is popular for MMA fans, mm-hmm. but he's not his brother. No. And Horiguchi's popular with MMA fans, but there's nobody that has that like broad market appeal that's going to get exactly. attention on because New Year's Eve is such a competitive night in Japan to get exactly. people's attention that he's right. going to need something crazy. Mm-hmm. It's and, it's a it's a festival, so they need way bigger than this, you know, where that hits the general public. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. this is only it attracts like a you know regular MMA and fight sports fan. Yeah, so Bob Blue Jack is correct. Uh, Kimura did pop for steroids again, and the oh yeah, that's was, right. They canceled. The yes, they, canceled. The yes, 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 canceled. <laughs> so they announced it and canceled it pretty much on the same day. So yeah, that's great. But yeah, I think we all know that. For your test, most of the prohibited drugs doesn't that's not stay in your system that long. Yeah, so it, it, it depends on how long you right how long you've been taking or you know. Is what you're saying. Right. So he probably took it again. They or call it he, a, they called it an intelligence test, right? They said the urine test is just an intelligence test. Oh, really? Because anybody can pass that, you know. <laughs> Especially if you know when they're going to test you. Come on. Yeah, I mean, again, also, who knows, right? There are a lot of supplement sponsors who is dishonest. So that sponsor could be giving him supplements saying, oh, it's okay. And he may not be smart enough to not check that and keep taking it. Who knows, right? What's his coach going to do now? Didn't his coach want to punish him by oh, having him fight as much as possible? His what happened to that? Like, yeah. To punish what him, we're going to make him fight as quickly and hurt as many people while he's still on steroids. Yeah, I know. It's too bad. But anyway, so Kimura is canceled. So yeah. oh, but we'll see. Underrated fight for this event that I thought was kind of fun. The mm-hmm. Seguru Knee fight versus Dominator. Uh-huh. Seguru Knee's last fight in uh, Pancrase, where he won the championship. Mm-hmm. He's not the most technical fighter, but he's an incredibly exciting fighter that's always going for the finish. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think that, and plus he has this crazy fan base. When I was at the, I was at that show. There's just, you know, like when you see someone, you're like, it looks like that person hangs out in Ropungi. Mm-hmm. Half of the crowd was that, and they were all there to see Saguda because he's a bouncer. At all right, and he, yeah, he, I think he says publicly that he drinks six nights out of a week. His Party. Instagram's wild. Right. His Instagram is wild. So I mean, Saguda New being on that—that's fun. That's a fun fight. I mean, it's no one. It's a, It's just gonna be a fun fight, but it's not enough. They need some crazy fights for this event. They need yes. something. There's yes. also barely any foreign fighters on the show. No. Nope. They also Man. put Shihiro Suzuki on the poster. Who he commented? He's like, "Why am I on the poster?" Well, he was like surprised. Exactly, and here's what it is: though they have to think of the visa too, so it's taking much longer than pre-pandemic. So I'm telling you, I, I can't say so much. They do have have to have something lined up. I will say yeah. that um, I've I've spoken to some foreign fighters. Mm-hmm. And I think Rising's dropped the ball on several fighters' visas. Oh, I bet. And that's why some of the fights have been canceled recently. I bet. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Can't help it. All right. So we let's talk about this one because I want to touch base on this guy first. Mr. Arai becomes Shuto's two weight class champion. I mean, it this is an amazing story. This guy started and I think went through a string of losses in the early part of his career. Like 
I think seven losses in a row. But he came back and won, you know, title after title. And now he's a two weight class champion. In Ushuta. Now, uh, did you see this fight? I did not see this fight. Okay. This, this fight. Record now. This is the most yeah. Japanese MMA record of all time. Yes. The first half of his career is all losses. And yes. the second half is all wins. <laughs> now, let me ask you, tell you this. This is, this is, I think, the fight took place on the same day as Mikuru Asakura and Yama. And yes. many, 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 many fans tweeted it and says like, oh my God, I was, you know, I had to think about which one to pick between, you know, Nikuruyama or this one. And everybody said that zero regret or even I'm so glad that I chose this fight and said this was one of the best fights ever in Shishuto. I still haven't seen that fight yet, but everybody who saw the fight says this was an incredible fight. Came, come back, came back from behind, you know. Right. And this guy is a small guy, you know, if we can fight at 115. Now he's also 125 champion. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'll tell you this, on record, and about 15 minutes after he won, obviously, me and his coach, Kenji Osawa, communicated it. And immediately I shot email to Mick Maynard and see if there's anything he can do. But, hey, who knows? Because 125 in UFCs, I don't even know if there's enough fighters. I mean... Responsible fighters, right? So, yeah. Hopefully, if he can get into a contender series or road to UFC, you know, it would be great. Right. You know, right. But remember, he this guy is only twenty five years old. That's crazy. His record's <laughs> crazy for a guy that's only His record's crazy, right? And I'm I also love sure. that he's fought several members of Team Date. Just exactly. Right. Record. Right. Beautiful. I'm pretty sure any any matchmaker, not saying Nick or anyone, any matchmaker will say, "Oh, he has too many losses." Right? I mean, but again, this is a case where you know you really can determine just by looking at the record. The guys on like what ten fight win streak, you know? Especially with Japanese MMA, it's like so many guys just skip amateur and go straight to exactly pro. right, right, and. And and also here here's what it is. Uh, just like Makoto Shindu, he had a lot of matchmaker tells me like, oh, he has too many decisions. But all these decisions are early part of his career when he was 15 years old. You know, right. and he was in boy's body fighting on the adult. So of course, they make a lot of decisions. So I hope you know people will look at the more recent last 10 fights and make oh, decisions yeah. on it. And hopefully we see this guy Joe somewhere outside Japan because. You know, money is limited to be made in Shuto, obviously. Right? Well, so that'd be crazy if you look at his past ten fights. There's so many KOs. Mm -hmm. He's got a finishing machine. If you look at his recent fights, exactly, he's finished like eight out of ten opponents or something like that. So he he is a finisher, exciting fighter. You know, it's a tremendous story, right? In a way, right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I hope Mick will take him. You know. Or, or do something for him, and at least age I wrote to you, I've seen it, if they do, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so ho let's hope that's going to happen, because that's going to be very interesting, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, so next person I want to talk about is this girl, Arisa. Ah, my, my girl. Yeah. Big she became Arisa, Deep Jewels. Mm -hmm. uh, Interim. Interim. Champion. Interim. Interim. Oh, that's right, because Izawa is there. Yes. All right. So, did you see this fight? I did see this fight. No. Nah, what do you think? What was it? How was um, it? my preamp, my lead up to this fight will be: 
Deep Jewels clearly made this fight for Machi because mm -hmm. yeah, of Machi, course, because Machi went has been become very popular in mm -hmm. um, her short career so far, and she sells a lot of tickets. She went to Rising and she won in Rising, and she's always maintained. I don't think she has an interest in dropping down to forty nine or forty eight. So she's a fifty two kilo, and she had talked about wanting to fight for the title before going to Ryzen, which is why it's kind of interesting that this title match appeared because mm -hmm. like, this is all because of Machi. And it makes even more sense because Arisa Matsuda fought Machi when they're amateurs and right. beat Machi in their amateur career. Yep. So this had this whole like revenge angle for the championship match. The problem is, is that Machi is like a very stout but short strawweight. And she's a very good grappler, but she still hasn't really figured out how to do damage while she's grappling. Mm -hmm. And Arisa Matsuda is a former baseball player mm -hmm. who is very athletic, very mm -hmm. strong, and clearly a straw weight. Like she's very she was much taller than Machi. And in the first two rounds, Machi just tried but could not get Arisa to the ground at all. And then she's just Arisa, too lanky, right? Right. Well, she's good. Take. She's worked on her takedown defense. So takedown defense too, of course. Right. Yeah. And um, if if Machi did get her to the ground, the one thing that Arisa I really respected was it reminded me a lot of like Chuck Liddell and guys like that, where once mm -hmm. they got down, they didn't surrender. They immediately tried to get back up the second you took them down. So Machi would spend all this sense. energy trying to get her back down, and she would just pop back up and not give up the position. So she was really good at that. And she absolutely blasted Machi with some strikes. Like Machi's nose looked like it exploded at one point. There's blood everywhere. And in the second, Machi landed a couple of good elbows, but in the third round, Machi got her down and got to mount a couple times. But in Japanese MMA, with the scoring, they really mm -hmm. reward damage. Yeah, so striking damage. If you're just grappling with someone and you're not going for submissions and you're not throwing ground and pound, that is almost worthless when the other person's just hitting you whenever mm -hmm. it's standing. And it was a kind of I mean, it was a split decision, which is crazy because there's five judges for the championship fights. I think it went three to Matsuda, two to Machi. But I thought it was the correct decision because under their scoring criteria, Matsuda was the only one that did real damage. And she stopped most of the takedown attempts except for the final round. And it's crazy to me that Matsuda has no martial arts background whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And she's developed the takedown defense that she has. Yeah, I mean, just to, to, to add to what you told, said, that uh, Matsuda, I think, used to play for a professional women's uh, baseball league, and I think a team in Kyoto. And yes, exactly. I think back in 2000. 15 or something like that. She, that team won the whole league and she was MVP and she was an outfielder. So I, I, she was a top player, right? And obviously very athletic. So she had the backbone as a fighter. And in a way, she's coming from baseball, which is not a contact sports. Not really. So it's not like he gets, she got hit a lot. So I think her ring age is still very young. And I always thought she was very interesting because I think she fought first fight at 125, right? I know his yes. coach very well, so I always say that she should go down to 115. I'm glad she did. And I also know as much, you know, because Mizuki used to yeah. teach her. Um, 
you know, then right now, Machi knows her weight class is 105. <laughs> you know, if she's going to well, fight in a world class. Kind of a chunky 115, not to be mean right. or anything. But, yeah. Easy to pull that to 105. But in a way, remember, uh, Rising had the super atom weight, whatever that is, which is 110, so which is perfect for Machi in a way. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so, but well, anyway, so. The Matsuda stuff that's also interesting is, you mentioned her baseball career. She didn't mm -hmm. like get fired from baseball. She, she purposely stopped playing right. baseball to pursue MMA. Exactly. I heard that she, she saw a Lima Lay fight in Bellator and was yes, like, I yes. want to do that too. She's like, I want to do what she's doing. And right. she actually moved and, to Hawaii for a couple months. And right. And she there. trained at HMC. Right. That's what yeah, happened. Yeah. Exactly. And um, here's what it is. Hopefully, he doesn't get tangled into the Japanese politics because he comes from one of the gym that they declare it's a Shuto gym. You know what I mean? Interesting. <laughs> but well, for I mean, some reason, she fights in Deep Jewels. Oh, my God, that's great. You know, So hopefully, yes. she should be actually considering maybe road to UFC or even doing Invicta for three, four fights and get experience yeah. going because I'm not just saying this because I putting edge fighters into outside of Japan. It's because there's no other girls in that division in Japan. They will not be able to match her against anyone. She'll be end up fighting the same girl like over twice, over, three yeah. times, over and over. I'm pretty she's sure they fought, want her. She's already fought Machi twice. Machi. And I, I'm pretty sure that Saiki wants to rematch, right? Right here. Yeah. Because they want Machi. Or, or maybe they will want her to go to Rise In to get more popularity going, which makes sense. But again, even in Rising, there's no 115 pound division, active yeah. weight class. So, well, hopefully, I think. Saki told Matono to drop down to Adam weight. So. Yeah, exactly. So, well, here's what it is. I mean, she likes Bellator, right? She wants to be just like that, right? She's Her eyes really look at the North America outside Japan. So, now she should be doing something about it. She should be talking yeah. to coach or even talk to me or talk to whoever that she needs to talk to, you know? So. I've had that's my eye on her. Just my last little puff piece on her. I've had they had mm -hmm. they placed her against Mika Nagano, who yes. say you will about Mika Nagano, but Mika Nagano was a high level collegiate wrestler. Exactly. Right. And Matsuda stopped all of Mika Nagano's takedowns, mm -hmm. took Mika Nagano down, and absolutely destroyed her with ground to pound. So like, b baseball may not be judo or like a like a combat sport. But it's so high level in Japan. Women's baseball is so good. Like she's a real yeah. athlete. She's athlete. a real athlete. Yeah. Well, here's what it is. It's a different thing. But like Kenny Florian did BJJ, but he quit and played, I think, soccer or something he like that in school. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was not the contact sports. A little not contact, right? But so then he came back to MMA, BJJ MMA. So I mean, it, you know, if you have that base as a good athlete and if no injuries. And, you know, if you never really taken too much hits to the head, and if you're willing to learn that technique to avoid getting hits and, and has the heart to get hit and not back down, I think you can be a good fighter, you know? And if you're willing to learn, you know? How do you feel about this comment right here from WMAC now saying that he'd like to see her in combat global? Uh, I can try to make that happen, actually. <laughs> yeah, I actually could. Um, yeah, this is something that I really have to try to clear some political issues too. But yeah, I think I would love yeah. to take her to combat her or, you know. 
to see what happens with her because she is from like the Osaka area because she trains with all those girls. She trains with Moedi Suda. She trains yeah. with Aoi Kuriyama because all those girls train down there together. And so if you don't have a good relationship with Deep, you're only fighting once or twice a year. So I'd like to see her be mm -hmm. more active. And I will say, speaking of Moedi Suda, did you see the Moedi Suda fight at Deep Jewels? I heard, no, but I heard it's very, she, she won by what? Like uh, submission arm bar. back, right? Yeah, arm but bar. It was awesome because she like pulled guard in this really cool way. So Moedi Suda is just an arm bar machine who I'm very high on. She just keeps getting better and better. Mm -hmm. But I'm also have to worry about the fact that it's not like we have tons of Japanese female fighter in MMA right now. So I like to collaborate, talk to Saiki very closely to make sure that each weight class gets active and more competition going, which produces new talent. So I'm not really all about just taking them out and take them to the another in you know, a promotion. So exactly. yeah, Combate is very good because in the sense that they can come back and fight in Japan, you know, could be one fight contract, go back and forth kind of stuff. And, you know? Well, especially with 115, because if you want to develop those fighters, they're going to have to fight outside of Japan. There's not enough 115 girls now. Right. So, I mean, I think it would be great if she can fight in Deep Joe's maybe once a year or twice in Combate Global or somewhere outside. So that's three times a year kind of thing to make her active, you know, to build her record, get her more experience, you know? Yes. Fight whenever annual, I mean, uh, what, Deep goes down to Osaka once a year, just have her fight on that card. Right. It makes then, sense. Yeah. Right. So that's something that, yeah, it's got to work on uh, a political. And I think in terms of if I wanted to try to execute this, I think I'm the big obstacle because I criticize Shuto so much publicly. <laughs> I think it's just, uh, well, I I'll, think it's I'll, just I'll, psychology wise, right? You know? I'll, I'll extend an olive branch, though, to get us in a good Shuto is that on December 12th, not December mm -hmm. 12th, December 2nd, Shuto's mm -hmm. doing their second color show. And mm -hmm. it's got, it's actually, I will say, it was kind of, it, the fights were announced a little too late for my liking, but the fights they did announce are pretty exciting because they have Chihiro Sawada, who I think is maybe the future of the atomweight division as far as Japanese fighters go. She's on there defending, defending her yeah. title. Mm -hmm. They brought Karen over from Pancras, and I'm always down to watch the Karen fight mm -hmm. because she gets all those stoppages of elbows. They brought the Pancrase champion Salt over, which I like that Shuto and Pancrase are really sharing these fighters now. And so, and then they have this, they have a grappling match with this girl from AACC who is a former Olymp uh, Judo world champion silver medalist. Mm -hmm. And like, if that, if that girl gets into MMA, that's going to be absolutely awesome to see that high level of a grappler. So I'm excited to see, I'm glad to see the, Color show is still going, and I'm glad to see Shuto still uh, doing it. And then they have the Infinity League too, so they're doing a lot for women's MMA. There's been a ton of women's fights in Shuto this year. That's good. I mean, yeah. it's the people who is against Deep Jules, right? So it's yeah. like it's like a Deep Jules rising versus Pancras Shuto now. Well, it's, Shuto's in terms of women's MMA. Shuto's develop. I mean, say what you will about how Shuto's run. They do. They do find. Just from the amount of amateur shows they do, they do find and develop good fighters. And Ayaka Watanabe is great. Who fought in Rising? Chihiro Sawada is an absolute stud. So I mean, they keep getting, they're finding and developing good fighters. I mean, Shuto's a real strong point is the amateur shows. 
They have all these dedicated people who yeah. basically devote their times to develop these amateur shows, and they're very, very good. I mean, look, look at this yeah. Joe Arai guy. You look at his record. Most of his fights are in Shuto. No other promotion puts on that number of events. <laughs> Whenever I'm putting stats together, Shuto drives me crazy because they, they have, like, multiple events the same day in different parts across the country. So they put Like on a I lot say, of I'm telling you, when you have a good business structures and you have a decent business plan, if it doesn't work, why? That's yeah. because you have a second-rate fucking CEO on the top. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're gonna have to replace that. Nothing's gonna change until then. So, unfortunately, that's that's also, sort of my take on Shuto. I'll also pump up Pancras. I mean, they have their women's at. They're crowning their first Adam White champion this year. That's true, right? Yep. And uh, they got a good mixture of veterans and young fighters. So, mm-hmm. it's been a great year. It's been a great second half of the year for women's MMA. Shuto's putting it on. Pancras is putting it on. Deep's putting it on. The only promotion that's not putting it on is Ryzen. This might right. be the least number of women's fights that Rising has had. That's in true. Right. I mean, Mr. Kasharagi even said they need a couple of years to redevelop all these weight classes. It's just not enough fighters, you know? Well, and if you, you know, if you eliminate the fights that there's so many fights in women this year that weren't super Adam weight fights. Because when Machi right. fought there, it was a straw weight fight. The Salt exactly, right. fight was a straw weight fight. They don't even have a straw weight championship. So, I mean, what are, what are they doing here? Come on. I am, yeah. I guess it's not a money, you know, it's not money making card, right? I guess so. Well, they're selling local tickets. That's why they put salt on the Hokkaido mm-hmm. show. And the money right, right. I mean, it only yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It, that's just the, what it is. But that's the problem. I think I wish those colors of Pancras, they, I wish they stream more outside. Like, it's almost impossible to see it from outside of Japan. They're not really looking into any opportunities, you know? The hardest it's one for like me to watch. In the last 30 years. The hardest one to watch is Shito. Because I have you next oh, yeah. now. Pancreas mm-hmm. and Deep are so easy to watch. But I think Shuto's only on Abima. And it's hard for me to... I don't want to buy coins to watch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you have to buy coins to watch Shuto? If you can watch it live, you can't replay it. Oh, I see, I see, I see. All right. Yeah. Right, yeah, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. All right, anyway, so I guess... That's it for today, right? We, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we we'll cover all that subject. Oh, I'm sorry. At the Wait, end, let's talk about up. this one. I want yeah, to tell you this. Yeah, I forgot. Sorry. Uruka Sasaki, my client, made the uh, debut as a pro wrestler. Now, I just yeah. want to let the, the, the listeners know that he finished his rising contract in the last fight. So he had a choice to either seek for a fight in New Year's Eve or do go for some some something new and he have decided to uh make a pro wrestling debut and uh, actually this was a considered exhibition fight right or something like that but he's well, going to be making a a real right i actually um so, reached out and asked stuart fulton what he thought because stuart fulton mm-hmm. is the english commentator for noah uh-huh. And he spoke very highly of him, said he even landed a uh, Frankensteiner on him. Frankensteiner, right. I mean, yeah, but... it's just so you know, he's been training at the No Dojo for, I would say, more six months already. We've discussed about this for quite a while now. So he gained a lot of weight, as you can see, right? So yeah. we knew that he's never going to make 135 anymore. So my suggestion was concentrate on pro wrestling for a while, because pro wrestling is a career that he really needs to concentrate. 
He needs well, to learn the skill. Huge in Japan. It's really so fun. Huge. He needs to learn the skill set, you know, like the industry rules, whatever, everything, right? Then if he wants to do MMA once now, he could come back. But that should be done after he established himself as a pro wrestler first, you know, because that will gain more, yeah. you know, brand on himself and a value on himself. But when he does come back to do MMA, there's no way he will go down to 135. So my suggestion was maybe we do like 170, you know, yeah. and just do one super fight and stuff like that. And it's it's very interesting that just because I deal with so many licensing deals and stuff like that in North America, I have a lot of connection with the pro wrestling world too. Like for example, when I talk to Invicta's parent company, they also own Impact Wrestling, right? TNA. So they all discuss about that kind of thing. So, and all these shows, it's not that hard for the Japanese pro wrestler to get booked because Japanese pro wrestler has a demand in that world. So exactly. I think it's possible that Eruka could be doing well in Noah and could fight in pro wrestling promotions here in the States, here and there once in a while, and maybe establish himself as a top wrestler, maybe go to WWE or, or something like that. Who knows, right? So. Can we talk about how great it was that he made his debut in a tag team match against Daisuke Nakamura? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the MMA guy, right? Yeah, exactly. It's great. No, but um, I was kind of thinking it's kind of funny because it's usually the other way around in Japan. It's usually a right. pro wrestler going to MMA. Here's what it is, though. This is, this is what I, great about Aruka. Aruka always has his own mind of branding plan, okay? Right. So I almost I suggested, hey, why don't you wear open figure gloves and make your own glove, make your own fancy colorful, you know? Make a brand out of it. He's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to be like like another MMA fighter turned pro wrestler. I have another idea. And he showed me the photos of his new costume he's wearing for the next fight. Oh, it's a very great costume. That's so, smart too, because yeah, I mean, it's very smart. Get, he's much more smart than I am stuck, in that sense. You don't want to get stuck in the gimmick. It's like you're the MMA fighter. Exactly. You like your own exactly. So I regret for even suggesting that. I'm like, oh, oh no. no, I'm stupid. Like you're a young boy. You know, you know better. So no. Well, so please look forward to his next bout, which is coming up pretty soon, which will be announced, and he'll be wearing a new costume, which yeah. is going to be very interesting. You know. Well, I'm kind of excited. one of the girls I work with is a huge Noah fan. So I'm kind of mm -hmm. interested mm -hmm. to ask her what she thought of the bout. Mm -hmm. No, Noah's very popular. And even with his fashion brand and like the way he does his YouTube videos, I think he's very good at branding. And mm -hmm. I think yep. he'll take to pro wrestling pretty quickly. I got to tell you this, Charlie. Speaking of branding, I had a talk with Naoki Inoue. Oh, really? And he was like, hey, the dude, do you even think about branding? No, right? He's like, no. You're doing social media and you do YouTube because people around you tell you to do so, correct? He's like, yeah. Do you even think about branding or anything? Not really. Exactly. Because you're probably better left jabs than making YouTubes, right? He's like, yeah. So I told him, like, listen, you're not turning to be like one of them in Rising. He's like one of those ex-deep fighters. He's losing that brand as like a, a youngest fighter to sign the UFC or you know, guy come yeah. back from New York and that kind of stuff. So, you know, besides winning fights, he has to think about things like that. And I told him, hurry up and get your butt out to Florida. Go to Kill Cliff and start training. Get ready for the fight. And I will tell you this publicly right now that we had a plan for him to fight in New Year's Eve, but we have decided to skip that. Uh, really? I think it would be better for him to go back to Florida with full fight camp and get ready for a uh, February show. There's another Perfect. show in the end of February. 
And our then again, the reason why I talked about branding was I talked to Naoki that, uh, hey, listen, if you a choice between fighting on second, third fight of the big card where the bunch of all the top fighters are in, or fighting the main or co-main of the show in February, which one's better in terms of branding? And he finally understood. I gave him a week to think about it. And a week <laughs> later, he's like, you know, I thought about it hard. I've decided to skip New Year's Eve. <laughs> so, you know? Yeah, so in a way, the New Year's card looks kind of weak anyway. It made the smart decision. Yeah, yeah, and in a way, you know, remember what Mikuru said that well, it's fighting on New Year's Eve is not a mandatory anymore. You know, it's right. a new generation of thinking, and Naoki is new era. So he had no problem skipping New Year's Eve. Well, it's he not like it's on TV. TV. So I mean, exactly. And, he, and he's a competitor, so I told him to do a proper fight camp. Don't fight without proper fight camp. Don't rush, right? I, that brings. I have a question with with Rising no longer being on Fuji TV. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that the New Year's Eve? Do they even do that good on New Year's Eve? It's such a competitive night on TV to get people to pay for a seven, like a go send pay per view. And there's already really good TV on for free, right? And. Abema has this number of email addresses and contact info they sold on the match, remember? And that's a big foundation base for the sales. And uh, you'd be surprised because today's kids, they don't stay home on New Year's Eve. That's right. right? Yeah, they don't watch Fohaku, Dagasen, with grandma. Yeah, so it's I, I think they'll sell a decent amount. But on the other Cho Rising with the Bellator, you know, I heard you next paid a really big money did the pay-per-view, but it didn't sell as much as they expected. So, you know, so we'll see. I'm just you know. thinking now that the, that the um, Super Rising show in the summer might be the better show to be on now of the two. Because exactly. there's no competition. There's no other shows but on TV. Funny thing about the New Year's Eve show, the ticket sales are very good. Most expensive yeah. seats are already sold out. And, it's you know, it's going to sell out pretty fast. So I guess it's almost but, became a trend, you know. To be involved in the uh, MMA shows in New Year's Eve, so that's also ticket. a driving force for pay-per-view sales. Maybe ticket prices you know? are so high now. I just yeah, can't rationalize paying to go there because if you're taking a date, you're you're spending close to a thousand dollars just to go there. Well, you know, in New York, there's a sushi restaurant called Masa where omakase course starts at nine fifty per person, <laughs> and there are. I am Chef uh, Mr. Morimoto's restaurant. Morimoto has a glass of a beer. It's a Morimoto brew beer, which is 50 bucks, I think. <laughs> so, and yeah. I think there is a, a international something restaurant on the Trump, first floor of Trump Plaza. And they have this cocktail called the World Most Expensive Cocktails. And every time I go there, the price is going We live in that world now. So. I just... I would hope that the people in New York get paid better than people in Japan, but yeah, it's just the Japanese oh, economy yeah, is I mean, terrible. Yeah. I, I, exactly. I don't even think about that yen, you know, dollar stuff. It, I, it gets me depressed. <laughs> Hopefully, you make <laughs> dollars, my friend. So, I mean, because some of the money I make is from yen, obviously, right? The fee I make from Abema is yen, so it's declining every month. Every month. <laughs> don't so. don't pay attention. Just ignore it. <laughs> No, but what I did was I renewed my contract in American dollars. <laughs> you know, smart move, yeah. smart move. Yeah, I mean, had to be. Anyway, so let's. All right, so that's it for today.
All right, so I guess we'll see you in about a month. Let's try to get this done more often. Let's do, a, let's do a show before the end of the year. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All of the yeah. end of the year shows. Right, and and by then, I think there's another fight announcements from uh, Rising, too, so we can talk about that. There's going to have to be a big one for the New Year's Eve show. Yeah. All right, so we'll see you in, in a couple of weeks, then. Yes. All right, that's it. Bye.